1: That's stamps.com. Code program.
2: This is the Court Today replay on C103. Good Tuesday morning to you as we welcome you along to the programme. We've got John Paul taking your calls at 0818 103 103. Texts and WhatsApps up and running 086 103, 103 And let's stick with the weather uh, for a moment because uh, a washout week is, what is looking it's looking like is in store for us, according to Met Aaron, because they have issued a status yellow uh, rainfall warning for eight counties, and one of those counties includes us here in Cork. This status yellow rainfall warning kicks in from 4 a.m. tomorrow morning and then runs right throughout Wednesday until 10 o'clock tomorrow night. It's a band of low pressure from the southwest. It means a wet and a windy week uh, for the country and most likely could even head into the weekend. Status yellow warnings uh, have been issued as I say for seven counties including ourselves and that means heavy rainfall and that could lead to some uh, localised uh, flooding flooding. Uh, Miss Erin are saying the coming weekend uncertain but rain is likely to uh, continue and it was only this time yesterday we were talking about the status yellow rain warning That had been issued for Cork and Cork City and in particular how bad Cork City fared with that deluge of rain that happened on Sunday afternoon. And I'm reading different reports in the papers today as to what caused a lot of the flooding. For example, in the Irish Times this morning, Cork City Council, they're defending their drain clearing policy and insisted that most of Sunday's flooding in the city was due to the large volume of rain falling in such a short period of time. And they're saying it wasn't anything to do with the fact that their drains were blocked, because we certainly had a number of listeners yesterday who were pointing that finger of blame, saying, you know, regardless of the amount of rain, a lot of people were saying that the drains were blocked prior to the rain uh, falling. But Cork City Council are saying that any drain blockages on Sunday in the city were due to debris being washed into the culverts during the weather event and they weren't as a result of them being blocked beforehand. And the Irish Times are quoting David Joyce, who is the City Council's Director of Services and Operations. He says that they have some 20,000 gullies in the city's local authority, a uh, newly expanded area. Uh, he said that these cannot be cleaned daily, but he says he was satisfied that they were substantially clear and functioning prior to Sunday's downpour and of course Met Aaron said it was almost 60 millimetres of rain fell in Cork on uh, Sunday. David Joyce says the bulk of that rain fell between one o'clock in the afternoon and six o'clock with intense downpours leaving some drains simply unable to handle the volume of rain. So they're saying nothing to do with us we had all the drains uh, cleared they were all good to go, it was just the amount of rain that fell. But then over in the Echo, they got a front page story of Met Aaron rejecting criticism from the Cork's Lord Mayor David Deirdre Ford. uh, She claimed that the City Council had been unable to prepare for Sunday's widespread flooding. She's saying because they didn't receive enough notice from Metairn. Deirdre Ford says that Metairn only issued their status yellow rain warning the day before on Saturday. She says because of that, there wasn't sufficient time for the City Council to prepare. Deirdre Ford said the city's drains had been overwhelmed by the intensity of the downpour leading to severe flooding across the city. Uh, She was addressing public complaints that Cork City Council may not have sufficiently cleared debris from the drains before the rain Deirdre Ford suggested that the city might look now at a more proactive approach into the future. And she talks about things maybe every September uh, prior to even them agreeing on their budget that they get some kind of an injection of capital to allow for what she calls a preemptive strike by making sure all of the drains have been cleared before that bad weather actually occurs. But Evelyn Cusack who is the head forecaster with Met Aaron she's come out and, and has rejected any criticism because she says that last Thursday and Friday Met Aaron were warning that there was going to be heavy rain on Sunday and even at that stage last Thursday and Friday they were saying that the heavy rain did bring with it the risk of localised uh, f- uh, flooding but given the issues that were experienced on Sunday with Cork City's drainage scheme Deirdre Ford said there was a, there w- there might be any to go back to the drawing board. She says, when we think of the system that was installed all those years ago and all of the houses that have been built since, she said the drains possibly are not fit for purpose. So maybe they do need to be looked at. And she did go on to praise the council workers, the city fire brigade and all the work that they did during and after the flooding uh, incidents. And she says it was obvious that severe weather events were happening. These were a result of climate change. And of course, because of climate change, we can expect more of these events into the future. And the echo is also quoting the Green Green Party Councillor Dan Boyle. He says there did appear to be an issue around the maintenance of the city's drainage system. And he says we need to examine the regularity of the drains being cleared, which is completely different to what David Joyce, the Council's Director of Services, is saying. He was saying they were happy enough that the drains, that none of those drains were blocked uh, beforehand. And, uh, you know, once again, City Council... Are saying that the issue on Sunday was in most cases that it wasn't to do with block drains but it was because of the volume of the amount of rainfall that fell during that very short period of uh, uh, time which I don't know will come as much comfort to any of some of the businesses who even still today are trying to clear up and get back to some kind of uh, normality and as, as we mentioned yesterday anyone that's ever been involved with any kind of a flooding issue uh, Will know it's the clean up afterwards. It's the most most horrendous issue to have to deal with. Oh eight one eight one zero three one zero three. John Paul taking your calls. You can text her WhatsApp to oh eight six two one zero three one zero three. And can I, I bring you a letter that I received in the post this morning? Now I I, I certainly have a very strong view on this, but, but before I give my own view, I want to read out this letter and just see how other listeners would react uh, to this. It's from a listener uh, in uh, West Cork, doesn't want her name called out, which is fine, and saying, I wonder if you'd mention this, and just see how other listeners feel and has this happened to any other listeners. It is to do with my granddaughter. She's 27 years of age, and I'm wondering is she entitled to her money back? We were all at a wedding back in early September. She had booked into a hotel and she ended up having to pay €300 plus for the hotel room. Now, on the night, she wasn't able to get a taxi from the wedding venue back to the hotel where she had booked her overnight stay. Now, she did go back to the hotel the following morning to collect her bag... Which she had obviously checked in the day before, and she asked them for a full refund, only to be told she wasn't entitled to the refund. What do other listeners think? They really would like you to raise this on the programme and to see has this ever happened to anybody else? And do you feel that my granddaughter is entitled to a refund? Okay. So she goes to a hotel and checks in, and obviously puts her bag. into the room, though I except didn't stay in the room, obviously just dropped the bag off went straight then to the wedding venue, had the wonderful day out the meal and the dancing and the crack and then as can often happen in the small hours of the morning, trying to get a taxi and I don't know where this happened, I don't know what part of the country this happened in, but we do know everywhere there seems to be a shortage of taxis and certainly since after uh, COVID not all taxi drivers have gone back into the business and there is a huge issue late at night whenever Everybody is trying to get a taxi. Anybody will tell you no matter where you are across this country there's an issue with trying to, trying to get taxis so that can happen suddenly you can't get a taxi and obviously you're at the venue where the hotel is on other people are staying there might have been a spare bed in somebody else's room or you're in with somebody and you get to spend the night there instead so then you get your taxi back to the hotel where you have checked in and you have booked a room and it's obviously already it was all paid for online how would you feel about this girl looking for a refund the fact that she didn't stay that night. She would say through no fault of her own. She would say, because I couldn't get a taxi, I wasn't able to stay. Why, sh- she, her argument is, why should she have to pay for a room that she didn't? actually stay in. I welcome your thoughts on that. 0818 103 103. Do you think it's a goodwill gesture? The hotel should have given her a refund. Or were the hotel perfectly within their rights to hang on to the money that she had paid? Because at the end of the day, even though this young woman didn't stay in the hotel room, I accept that, but they still couldn't rent the room out to anybody else because her bags were in the room she had the room booked whether she stayed in it or not or what she did or didn't do in the room the room still has to be paid for was she entitled to a refund now i can see a lot of commentary coming in in reaction to the letter from the lady in west cork who's written to us whose granddaughter uh, had booked into a hotel uh, paid obviously for the hotel in advance which is what i think we all do now don't you when you, when you book you pay in advance checked into the- the hotel, went off to the wedding, fortunately wasn't able to get a taxi back, Uh, went back then the next day to pick up her bag and looked for a refund because she didn't stay in the room. And uh, the grandmother writing to us feeling she is entitled to a refund and is wondering has it happened to anybody else and what would others think and should she go further because she's actually saying uh, in the letter should she go to one of the consumer organisations to plead her case in that she feels she is entitled to a a refund. Let me give you some of the commentary. Now this is the commentary I've just spotted and read myself. Can't see any sympathy for this woman I have to say. Somebody said uh, to the woman who wants the refund from the hotel legally if she checked in and her belongings went into the room then technically she did stay there even if she didn't sleep in the bed. Brian says unfortunately this woman hasn't a leg to stand on. She hasn't a hope of getting a refund. She took the room her overnight bag was in the room she was given a key to the door for the room. She had checked in, so she hasn't a leg to stand on. That's from Brian. Anne said, I think the hotel perfectly right to take the money for the night. She booked it. She checked into the room. Uh, there's no way she is entitled to a uh, refund. Somebody else says, not a hope should she get her money back. It's not the fault of the hotel that she wasn't able to get a taxi. She should have heard her, had her taxi booked in advance. She had a room in the hotel And the room then couldn't subsequently be let to anybody else. So why should the hotel suffer the loss of the room just because this lady wasn't able to get a taxi back to stay in the room? Mags says she should pay. Her bag was in the room. They are within their rights to hang on to the money. Tonal then says, is this woman actually for real? The hotel room was booked. The bags were dropped off, so she checked in. It's tough if she didn't get to use the room expecting a refund god help us all but this is the best yet (laughs) <laughs> says uh, Donal <laughs> it's nothing to do with the hotel it's not their problem that she couldn't get a taxi at the end of the night, if she had asked them in advance, maybe they would have been able to have organised a taxi for her, because that's uh, normally what a lot of hotels uh, will do Okay. as <laughs> I say, it's just some of the uh, commentary and I, I can't see, now there's a lot more, I can't see one person saying that the woman is right and she should write her case. She should get her money back. Uh, Joe is in Kilmalach. Good morning, Joe. Good morning, Patricia. Would you you be giving her a refund? I wouldn't give her a tip.
3: (laughs) (laughs) No. No, she's not entitled to it. I mean, where did she go that she couldn't get a taxi back?
2: She was at the ho- the other, uh, another hotel where the wedding yeah. was on. And obviously it was too far to walk. It wasn't a case of walking. No uh, taxis available and she couldn't get back. And then she went back no, to the hotel the next morning. She went back to collect her bag. Cause, so she did you, check in.
3: Well, she did check in, but she didn't stay there. And uh, she couldn't get a taxi back. So yeah. the, the hotel should not be held responsible. Otherwise, the hotel would, we, would be left without a room. They, could, uh, they couldn't let out the room.
2: Yeah, well, that's what a lot of people are pointing out, the fact that she had checked in. And even if she didn't check in once, you book a room. I mean, there's so many terms and conditions now. You can cancel up to 24 hours. But but, but especially when you check in and you put your bag in the room.
3: When the bag is in the room and that, but she went away, she couldn't get a taxi back. It's still nothing. It's not that the hotel shouldn't be. But I worked in hotels for years. Yeah. And uh, no, 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 the hotel is not, it shouldn't pay back nothing. So they're, so
2: they're quite within their rights not to yeah, give her their... Yeah,
3: quite within their rights. The, the consumers, it would only be a waste of a phone call for
2: yeah, her. If anything, dare I say, a bit of a cheek to even ask them for a refund, isn't it? I think it is. Yeah, yeah. I
3: think it is. I think it's a bit, it's, it's a bit cheeky, really.
2: Yeah, but word of warning, book your taxis well in advance...
3: But Book, book your taxi when you know where you are and have it ready, and you can stay in your bedroom. Then after that,
2: okay. <laughs> All right, Joe. Thanks for that. Yeah, okay, thanks for joining right, bye-bye, us. Bye uh, bye. And lots and lots of other people saying, "Yeah, absolutely, there's zero entitlement." to a a refund uh, there Uh, someone else says no way should that lady even look for a refund she dropped off her her luggage into the room so she checked in she got her key to the room how could she expect to even look for uh, a refund somebody else saying they couldn't then go on and rent out that room to anybody else why? because her belongings were in the room of course she's not entitled to a refund and as a number of people are saying she should have pre Booked her taxi in advance. I think that's the, that's the tale to be learned from this particular story, is if you're going anywhere, pre-book your taxis, because while some people are talking about how hard it is to get hotel rooms reasonably priced, it is equally as hard now to get a taxi to and from a venue. Uh, thank you for your commentary on that. 0818103103. John Paul taking your calls. You can text or WhatsApp to 0862 103
0: 103. Court today on C103 with Corrigan Insurances McCroom, now
4: part of McCarthy Insurance Group, promoter, home, business, farm, life, and health insurance. dot I E.
2: Over the weekend, I spotted a lovely social media post by West Cork Social Democrat, uh, Democrat doll deputy Holly Kearns, who w- was celebrating the role that her grandmother had played in the setting up of in an organization called Cherish. 50 years ago, and a cherish was set up to support at the time what was known as unmarried mothers. The group, of course, now is subsequently known as One Family. And uh, Deputy Holly Kearns joins me to discuss her family's connection uh, with this organization. Uh, good morning, to you, Holly Good morning, Patricia. Now, your grandmother, Sylvia Carnes, and unfortunately, she's a little bit hard of hearing, so a telephone interview like this uh, obviously wouldn't be, wouldn't be possible. But talk to me a little bit about um, Sylvia, who you call Nanny, and, and how Cherish came about 50 years ago.
5: Yeah, obviously it was before my time, but I always heard, you know, my dad and his siblings, he's one of eight, talking about how when they were growing up, there was always, or often, young girls living with them. Um, so young girls would come and live with my grandparents and their children until they gave birth to kind of avoid them having to go into the mother and baby institutions um, that were around at the time. And I I just never really paid that much attention to it, if that makes sense. I always heard it yeah. kind of being mentioned. And I heard Nanny talking about Cherish. But I didn't realise until I was actually a TD and on the children's committee here in the Oireachtas and one family would come in uh, to the committees to kind of as witnesses to give information to the committee for particular pieces of legislation. And it wasn't until then that I made the connection that what Cherish is now one family. And I was on a separate meeting with them one day and the the, the chair of one family, Karen, who was with you on the on the programme last week, said, are you Frank and Sylvia's granddaughter? <laughs> um, and that's when I realised that Cherish had become one family. So I was a little bit naive about uh, how the organisation had progressed and that it was still going. And um, but ultimately it came about there was a girl one of the girls who stayed with my grandparents until she gave birth it uh, was called Annette so about 55 years ago and she um, had her daughter and she managed to keep her as well so that was kind of not as common back then yeah that would have been that would have been unusual adoption. yeah yeah yeah, and she was determined, and like a lot of women were back then, um, and we need to hear more about those women who were really adamant. It was amazing to be at the 50th launch and to hear a lot of the women from back then who had um, had children out of wedlock and, and kept their children, and the kind of struggles and the fight that they had on their hands. Um, but it was through Annette and supporting Annette that my grandparents were involved in supporting Cherish, and back then other people like Mary Robinson were involved as well. There's lovely photos of, of that time that we have in a family photo album as well.
2: So a lot of the girls that would have stayed with your grandparents would have had no choice but to give their babies up for adoption?
5: Yeah, without support of any kind from state or family or, you know, depending on people's different circumstances, it wasn't always possible uh, for women to keep their children. And through the work I've done um, on the Children's Committee and on Mother and Baby Homes issue, I've, I've heard from so many women who... Desperately tried to keep their children. Would have done anything, and it still wasn't possible. You know, there was a lot of forced family separation back then, where um, children were sold abroad, adopted to America, without any consent from parents. We, you know, from there's every kind of extreme of the the different stories that I've heard, and it's it's really horrible to actually imagine the reality of that for those people. Um, so yeah. I feel incredibly proud that at a time when it was. Considered so, like kind of taboo or shameful to have children out of wedlock that, my, both my grandparents but especially my grandmother was really fighting for those women to be able to keep their children and to try and, you know, address that ridiculous stigma and shame that was placed upon them. You know? Yeah,
2: because I, I was thinking about this yesterday, you know, when I knew you were coming on. And I mean, I remember, um, Cherish, I remember the wonderful organisation yeah. uh, that it was. And they, I, to me, they were so ahead of their time so it, when they were set up back in the 70s. But it's so hard for young people today to even understand what life was like for women only Uh, 50 years ago to become pregnant and not to have a ring on their finger. I mean I even think that term the odd time that I have to use it, unmarried mothers like, like yeah, they're, they're a mother. I mean, it just, it makes, you know, to the younger generation, I remember my, one of my young nieces, uh, must have been about 19 when she first heard that phrase a couple of years ago, and she said, well, what does that mean, unmarried mothers? And I realised, thankfully, there's a whole now a generation who know nothing about what it was to be an unmarried mother. But there was a huge shame and stigma attached to it.
5: Huge. And thankfully, we don't hear terms like fallen woman anymore either because that's what it used to be referred to. But at that event, just to kind of have a flashback into that time, because you say younger people, I think I understand it a lot more than some, like the people younger than me. You know, there's all the different generations of it. But the reality of it, Moira, who's one of the women who really headed up the Cherish campaign and, you know, she was front and centre of it and she was a so-called unmarried mother herself. And all of the different people talking, the Irish Human Rights and Equality Commissioner was at the event, speaking about that time. And Moira went on the Late Late Show. And everybody knows and loved Gabriel, and it's not a criticism of him, but he wasn't that supportive maybe of the campaign on the show. And Moira, I think people don't really do this on the Late Late Show. But according to the Irish Human Rights and Equality Commission, she turned and looked at the camera instead and said to the Irish people, you know, looking into the camera, I am an unmarried mother. I cherish my child, look at me. So when you consider that that needed to be said, it was like society, it seemed to her, didn't want to look at her or acknowledge that she existed. And that was so evident in the way that these women were being incarcerated into institutions. They were being locked up and hidden from society. And then in order to try and, you know, and this is not my language, but that's the way it seems to quote unquote, like deal with the issue. They were, you know, punishing them, uh, hiding them away, car- carrying out illegal vaccine trials on the babies, selling the babies for money for the religious orders. Like, it's actually unimaginable. And the, the turn of events in there amounts to some of the worst crimes you can imagine. Concealment of death, illegal adoptions, illegal medical trials, mass infant and child graves. Like, the the levels of it, I think, like you say, are difficult for younger generations to understand that, and,
2: and it happened um, in this country. It's just the it just the the mind, you know, absolutely uh, boggles. I mean, even the even the introduction of um, was no, it wasn't. It called the unmarried mother's allowance, the the, the 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 lone parent allowance that we pay out now. It was actually called the unmarried mother's
5: allowance. I didn't even know that. Yeah, and I it think, think it's important yeah. to note as well. That and, and like it, what's still relevant today is how those exact same women are being treated in mother and baby homes, and I'll come back to that, Patricia. But on the subject of um, what you, the unmarried, the it was called the unmarried mothers' allowance previously, the single parents' allowance now, like we think we've come so far in terms of how we treat uh, lone parents, single mothers, all of that stuff. Ultimately, we have not, and this is you know when I talk about one family coming before the Children's Committee, some of your listeners might be horrified to know, and many of them will know if they are single parents themselves. That the single biggest determining factor as to whether or not you live in poverty in Ireland today is whether or not you come from a one-parent family. Yeah. So there is 50 uh, percent of the children living in poverty in Ireland are either in a one-parent family or they're the children of working age adults with disabilities, 50 percent. So when there's been a 47 percent increase in child homelessness in the last year alone, Um, And we know that being a single parent is the biggest determining factor in whether or not you live in poverty. And then we just had an 11 billion euro budget. That was an opportunity to actually lift people out of poverty. And it was passed up and it is at every single budget. So we think we've come so far. But actually, when you look at this, there was an amazing, horrifying graph at the the one family 50th um, birthday celebrations last week that showed... As much as um one parent families are coming up in terms of quality in life and out of poverty, it still hasn't be- the the kind of ratio of that to uh, what you might call a traditional family hasn't changed. So it's only because you know quality of life is improving, that quality of life for one- parent families is improving. It's still stayed the ratio has still stayed the same. the The disparity between the two has still stayed the same. And so when you look at that budget, those people are most at risk of becoming homeless, of living in consistent poverty. There was things that could have been addressed like uh, core social welfare rates. So everybody got that. But in terms of targeting, there was things like the qualified child allowance. That went up by insulting €2. Euro.
6: Yeah, more, were call- yeah. One
5: family were calling for €7 euro for children more under could have 12 been done. Okay. And 12 year old children over 12. Okay, Catherine
2: says, isn't it funny how the fathers of those babies got away scot free and the inadverted commas, unmarried mothers were shamed and blamed uh, for the lot? Uh, yeah. Actually, out of interest, um, Holly, and, and I don't know whether you spoke to your grandmother or not, what was her reaction to the mother and baby homes report that exonerated the church and state and claiming that all society was to blame for, for the mother and baby homes?
5: She wasn't surprised. Um, that's not to say she wasn't sickened, but, you know, th- this Mother and Baby Homes report that did exonerate church and state and medical companies and everybody of, of any kind of responsibility. Um, it's just the latest example of how these women were treated. And one of the things that really occurred to me at the One Family event was, you know, the teacher came out when that report was released that said nobody was to blame, society was to blame. And he said that all of society was to blame now i disagree with that because i know that my grandmother back then as part of society was fighting against that however when we fast forward to today to this week when we know the redress scheme has been signed off by cabinet last week and will be coming to second stage in the house of the next week who is to blame today does the teacher does the minister for children still blame society today when we have a redress scheme that patricia for one excludes anybody that spent less than six months in an institution. So as you know, you could still have experienced an illegal vaccine trial. Your child could still have been taken from you. You could have been taken away from your parents. You know, all of those things could have happened to you. You get absolutely nothing under the government's redress scheme. And then the next payment up is €5,000. I mean, you would get more if you fell off of a pavement. We've all heard of claims that are, you know, for much less, you get a lot more. And then ultimately as well, last week, it came It came to, to light that the minister was going to the religious orders kind of cap in hand and saying, would you please make a donation towards our redress scheme? I mean, this kind of stuff is like what the Taoiseach was referring to back in the 60s and the 70s, that it was kind of, you would think it would only happen then. That's happening today. That the so, you're, I know,
2: that. Um, I'm sure I read somewhere, you, the Social Democrats, you're tabling a motion uh, tomorrow. What are you calling on the government to do?
5: So, yeah, uh, tomorrow morning at 10 past 10, I'm tabling a motion to correct the findings of the report, because ultimately, when we find that there was no concealment of death, that there was no illegal adoptions, then how can anybody be held to account? How can we go to the religious orders and the medical companies and demand that they contribute to a redress scheme? So the first thing we're asking for is that the findings of the report need to be corrected. And Patricia, the minister, said he was going to get an independent review of those findings. And then he just shelved the idea and didn't say a bit. And it was only... Um, that's been it dropped it came out because yeah, hasn't of been an dropped? FOI from the yeah, yeah. yeah it's been shelved. he's not doing it anymore he hasn't given any proper explanation for that the other thing we're calling for is to pay compensation proportionate to the crimes committed and the suffering caused so that it wouldn't be a situation where you get nothing if you were there for less than six months um, important to note as well the government actually carried out their own report with survivors people who contributed to the investigation um, the, commissions, the commission into mother and baby homes and the the thing that came up when they spoke to survivors and said, how should we go about redress, because it's a very complicated and difficult issue to say, how do we compensate for this? And the thing that came up the most from survivors themselves was that the compensation, the first thing should be based on is that forced family separation. That that was the thing that really affected people the most, being separated from their child, or being separated from their mother. Instead, the government decided to base redress on length of time spent in an institution. And lots of experts in Ireland have written to the government to say that, that is an absolutely outrageous way to do it. It doesn't bring any understanding of child psychology or trauma or anything like that. And finally, yeah, it's the kind of missing ocean, the point. The, the
2: point is the family separation. Yeah, yeah,
5: precisely. And of course, you know, another kind of criteria could be time spent in an institution. But to make it the number one criteria. And to exclude people who are in an institution for less than six months is simply cruel and unfair. OK. And then finally, our motion calls for the church and the state to be held accountable for the crimes committed in those institutions.
2: And does that mean that they financially compensate the women and the children? Absolutely.
5: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. There should be normal mechanisms
2: of justice. Just very finally, how is your nanny health wise and everything? How is she getting on?
5: She's great. Um, she's had a tough year or so. My granddad passed away wow. last year, and had some kind of uh, minor health conditions. But given all of that, she's still the same most loving, most fun, most glamorous grandmother. Um, she is about. She's nearly thirty grandchildren between all of us, and she's just incredible. We all feel incredibly lucky to have her as our she's, nanny. She sounds like
2: a remarkable woman. And is she living independently, or she, where does she live?
5: Independently, yes. Independently. She lives in Dublin. Brilliant.
2: She's a Dublin woman. Brilliant. And um, does she? Does she ever? Does she ever talk about how many girls they would have taken in uh, and offered refuge to over those years?
5: I don't know how many girls there is altogether. Um, and they would have come from all, a few all over the country. A, yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, And then the role that she played after that one, it was those many of the the girls who set up the organisation had been living with my grandparents. And so my granddad back then was actually the property editor of the, uh, I think it was the Irish Times, the Independent. I don't know which one it was at the time. He did both. But he um, ultimately secured the building for Cherish (laughs) and my nanny organised the fundraiser um, to pay for it. There's a book. Um, There's absolutely a book in your grandparents. That's it. And ultimately, um, one family are still in that building in Pembroke Road in Dublin today. So they were incredibly supportive. Um, My grandmother did an awful lot in terms of fundraising. And she used those connections that my granddad would have had for, you know, with estate agents and property developers and everything. So any time she terrified needed money. She'd go to them and she'd organise an event, a a ball, a charity ball, and she wouldn't say like, she spoke about it at the event. Um, She gave a fantastic speech and she spoke about how she wouldn't say, will you buy a seat at the the ball? She'd say, will you buy a table? Will you buy two tables? (laughs) And of course, with my granddad working in the, the property sections, they wanted to keep her the sweet kind of support <laughs> exactly so it's just one of those stories you often hear of women doing incredible things behind the scenes and um you know behind every man and there's, a, the there's a
2: powerful woman and you say she had eight children so she was raising her family while also yeah. they were throwing open their front doors to bring these young women in to say come stay and they would have stayed for months in many cases
5: exactly an incredible feat when you consider having eight children in and of itself is such a challenge um for a woman to be raising eight children and then um bringing more women into her well home as well she is i can't say enough about her she's an incredible well, pass, and pass inspiring
2: our, woman pass on our best wishes uh to uh her uh, holly and listen thank you for sharing your your nanny story with us today and thanks for joining us Thanks, Patricia. Thanks, William. Bye bye. That is uh, Deputy Holly Kearns uh, from West Cork talking about her wonderful uh, grandmother, Sylvia Kearns, who, along with uh, her husband, Frank, and others, set up Cherish now known as One Family 50 years ago a remarkable achievement for what they did in in that time uh, back in the 70s 0818 103 103 John Paul taking your calls Cork
0: today on C103 with Corrigan
4: Insurance's McCroom now part of McCarthy Insurance Group they don't just talk the talk they walk the walk cmig.ie
2: in the next hour we are going to be dealing with an issue that we got a lot of calls and commentary on yesterday and this is to do with people receiving letters from Cork County Council. These are tenants of Cork County Council. There's been a rent review and a number of people are seeing their rents go up by the letters they're receiving from Cork County Council. I've just had a text in, for example, from a listener saying, I'm a pensioner living alone. The council are going to increase my rent by €11.50 a week. I don't know how I'm expected to pay this with the energy bills going up and food price uh, increasing. That's, come, that's really heartbreaking because when you think the in the budget pension Pensioners and other people on social welfare are going to get a 12 euro increase not kicking in until uh, January but if a pensioner living on their own if their rent is going up by 11.50 it means that's completely wiped out the increase that they're going to get in uh, January uh, if your rent has gone up by Cork County Council after the rent review let us know by how much please we have some other examples of rent going up by up to 50 euro a week in some households uh, cases so we're going to be discussing that and trying to get an explanation as to why the council are putting up rents at this time. I just think it's the timing of it. It really couldn't come at a worse time. So if you are a tenant of Cork County Council, had a rent review, by how much has your rent gone up? Or let us know if your rent has decreased because maybe some people have seen a decrease as well. 0818 103 103. John Paul's taking the calls. You can text or WhatsApp the details to 0862. 103.103. 103.103. 103.
0: Cork Today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now
4: part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. C-M-I-G You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed
2: reaction to Holly Kearns uh, Deputy Holly Kearns from West Cork who we invited on the programme to talk about her wonderful grandmother uh, wasn't aware that her grandmother was one of those involved with the setting up of Cherish which was to support uh, unmarried mothers at the time back in the 70s and has gone on to become a wonderful organisation that it is uh, today supporting lone uh, parents both male and female lone parents. Hi Patricia. Long time listener first time texter. Good to have you along. Uh, I'm delighted that Holly Kearns uh, grandmother and the work that she did and the work that that organisation continues uh, to do but I feel that Holly maybe should concentrate more about the present day there are people who are unable to heat their homes this winter the cost of living has gone through the roof not to mention the roads around Skibbereen they're a disgrace particularly around the rugby club around the shop on the Cork Road it's like a third world uh, country I wish she'd focus more on what's happening uh, today in fairness during if you listened to all of Holly's interview she did bring it into the budget and she did talk about the budget and she did talk about and she did mention how she reckoned more should have been given in the budget to help people in exactly what you're talking about to heat their homes and when it comes to the cost of living. But thank you for your first ever text let it not be your last to 0862 103 103. Somebody else says the parents of those poor women when they became pregnant they should be roundly condemned uh, as well. And Noel reckons wonders do other listeners agree time for a general election. He reckons we need a general election Now he feels the government are all talk and no uh, action. Would others agree that it is time for a general election? 0818 103 103. And still a huge amount of commentary coming in on the lady who wrote was um, looking for feeling that her granddaughter is entitled to a refund for checking into a hotel but not actually staying in the hotel because she couldn't get a taxi back from the wedding in order to stay in the hotel and when she went back the following day to get her overnight bag out of the hotel she looked for a a refund and the hotel simply said no. Now, some of your commentary in on this. Morning, Patricia. We actually were at a wedding recently and we had two hotel rooms booked. One was a double and one was a single. Now, on the day, I didn't know if I needed the second room, the single room or not. So I spoke to the receptionist and explained our dilemma. Didn't know if the other person was going to need the room or not. She said to come back to her around nine o'clock if I knew for sure that the person wasn't going to arrive. Anyway, the other person who was meant to attend the wedding didn't show up, so I didn't need the single room. She said she would try and see if she could rent out the room to somebody else. When I went to check out, they weren't able to fill the room, but she told me she thanked me for keeping me in the loop and they did try to rent the room out to somebody else but because I'd gone and told them what was going on, they didn't charge me for the single room. By the way I gave gave her a nice tip because I appreciate what she had done. Yours now is slightly different in that you didn't actually, you didn't actually check in to the room and you did keep them in the loop and they may have been able to have rented it out to somebody else but that was a good gesture, I mean that hotel room, because particularly when they weren't able to rent it out to anybody else, they could, would who have been well within their rights to say you booked the room. They could have charged you for it, but they decided, they decided as a goodwill gesture that they didn't. So well done uh, to the hotel. Uh, Pat says, morning, Patricia. I bet you that woman used the toilet. <laughs> when she dropped her bags into the room and when I saw that text come in I was thinking it's probably one of the first things I always do you know even if you're just dropping off the bags you know I'll just quickly run into into the loo never pass the toilet so I I probably would have used the loo even if I had to use the bed so you're probably right on that Hi Patricia on the lady looking for the refund for the hotel room well I had a similar kind of a similar situation with a lad who was sharing with us all of the bills every month was split four ways by the four of us who were renting the apartment. But this boyo decided he had a new girlfriend and he started staying more and more in with the girlfriend. So when it came to the divvying up of the bills every month, he decided he should be exempt from the bills. How dare he? All his stuff was still in his bedroom with a lock on the door. He fought tooth and nail saying that he shouldn't pay towards the other bill because he was semi living with his new uh, girlfriend. Uh, But in the end, uh, we we obviously made him uh, pay up. Now, that, I suppose, is that is a different that's very different to the to the hotel one. And I don't know where would people stand on that? Okay, obviously, he was paying his rent because he had the room and the, the door was locked. But then when it comes to if he wasn't staying there at all for, say, the entire month, should he have to pay towards the cost of electricity, the cost of the gas? Uh, Were you splitting the TV, splitting the bills for the bins, all of those typical bills that you split? I suppose when you when you sign up to share a house, you do agree to pay all of the bills, whether you're staying there or uh, not. But anyway, the the fight went on, but obviously the other tenants uh, won out. Hi, Patricia. This is a Killarney listener, Patricia. It is a contract an offer and an acceptance and consideration the hotel agreed to supply the room that's the offer she accepted that's the acceptance part and consideration that's when you pay up clearly she does not have a leg to stand on that's from a Killarney listener someone said is she serious if she did then stay at the other hotel which I'm assuming she did she stayed at the venue when she couldn't get the taxi she obviously bunked in with somebody else did she pay for the room in the other hotel I wonder says the texter (laughs) probably not Hi, the lady with the hotel room. We all know the taxis are in short supply, especially late at night. She should have tried to pre-book a taxi before the wedding. So maybe then she would know she 100% would be able to get back to the hotel room that she had paid for in advance. She checked in, she dropped her bags into the hotel room. That classifies as her using the room. The hotel had no idea that she didn't sleep in the room the night before until the morning after when she came back to get her bags. It's her fault. It is not the hotel. Hotels uh, fault and Alan says good morning Patricia surely this is a wind up about the hotel it's not Alan I have a handwritten letter in I had to double read the letter when I read it because I couldn't believe that somebody would look for a refund anyway said uh, Alan what if you rented a car and because suddenly on the day that you rented the car the weather forecast was bad and you said oh no I'm not going to use the car so you decide to use public transport or you walk instead you can't go back to the car company and say by the way can I have a refund Because I didn't use the car uh, because of the weather. It is absolute nonsense. Cannot. And a lot of people actually are of that belief, cannot even believe that this girl tried in any way to go and look for uh, a deposit really cannot understand it Hi Patricia I was supposed to go to a concert in Dublin during the summer but unfortunately tested positive for Covid on the morning so I had to ring the hotel to explain and they told me I still had to pay because their cancellation policy was 20 a full 24 hours so I lost my money they then went on to rent out the room for double the price well you don't know do you, do you know that for sure that they did that yeah that is Particularly during COVID uh, times. But I know anything that I've booked, certainly the last year when we've been getting out and about, I'm always reading the terms and conditions on the, the cancellation policy. And that's fairly standard now. You have to give a full 24 hour notice. To say that you're you're cancelling, and if you don't do it in twenty four hours, they, they'll take the money from you because they obviously they have all your credit card details uh, in advance. so that is standard, but I would have thought with COVID, because COVID is one of those things that and that has happened to so many people, you can't give twenty four hour notice because this listener wasn't to know on the Saturday morning the day of the concert wasn't to know that they want to test positive on that day, and you did everything right by saying I have COVID I can't go I need to self-isolate so it, it does seem very very unfair that in COVID times you were still forced to pay for that uh, room 0818103103 and then on the bad weather at the moment oh yeah and the drains been blocked when, when I mentioned about that there was a couple of texts in on the drains this is when I was talking about how the City Council are defending it they're blaming Metair and saying that they didn't give enough notice that there was going to be enough rain that could cause flooding even though Evelyn Cusack of air is saying hello now I take boys and girls last Thursday and Friday we warned of heavy rain on Sunday they said at that stage there was a risk of local flooding okay it wasn't until Saturday that they moved it to a status yellow uh, rain uh, warning the City Council are saying that the drains in the culverts were all clear they say that what happened was that debris was washed into the culverts during the Event and that was that that was it wasn't a result of the drains being blocked beforehand. Uh, Not everybody though is agreeing with that. Tom and Bantry is saying building all of those homes and not increasing the size of the pipes to deal with the changes. That's resulting in water blocking up in the in the drains. And in fairness, the Lord Mayor of Cork City Council, Deirdre Ford, is has made that point as well. And she says, you know, that when you think of all of the addition houses that have been built, and when you think of the systems that were installed so many years ago. And then subsequently houses were were built. She's even saying that the drains possibly aren't fit for purpose because of the extra houses, and maybe it does need to be looked at. And Tricia then is in Blackpool. She said she lives in Mount Farron in Blackpool, Now, she said that's a high up area. But she walks a lot with her dog around uh, the area, particularly around the Assumption Road area of Blackpool. She's She's saying, sorry, she doesn't believe that all the drains were clear. She says the vast majority of drains are like weed. Pots is how she describes it. There are weeds growing out of them. So the water is flowing down into Blackpool. It is nowhere to go. So she's disagreeing that all of those drains have not been cleared in advance of that flooding event. And then someone else was on this morning to say, because I, I started the programme by saying, Met Aaron are saying we're in for a bit of a wet, a wet and a windy one this week and there's another status yellow rain warning kicking in tonight small hours of the morning tonight tomorrow night tomorrow morning uh, into all day tomorrow I think it's until about 10 o'clock tomorrow night and they're already saying it could lead to localised uh, flooding so drains really do need to be looked at John is in Carrigaline and says Patricia with that bad weather that you're talking about on the way I'm not seeing the council out cleaning drains in my area says John in the Carrigaline area and somebody else is saying you know it is October the leaves are falling we're in autumn and you know that a lot of these drains are, are blocking up at the moment and there's something needs to be done about it 0818 103 John Paul taking your calls we've had somebody on looking for a bit of help where's that gone Margaret and Douglas has been on she has three Venetian blinds and the string has broken in one of them she's searched a number of places to see can you get Venetian blinds re-strung she's tried so many blind companies but nobody so far can help. Does anybody else have any suggestions on how Margaret can get the string back into a Venetian blind? Or does anybody know of a company, a local company? And as I say, Margaret is in Douglas, so somewhere in the Cork area that restrings a broken Venetian blind. Because obviously the blinds are perfect. Well, it's the string has actually broken if anybody has advice for Margaret and what Margaret can do please 0818 103 103 and as promised in this hour we are going to be talking about rent reviews and Cork County Council rent review I don't know if anybody could tell me are the city doing rent Cork City Council are they doing rent reviews as well and we're looking for people to give us examples if you got the letter back from Cork County Council if you sent in all the information for the rent review how much Is your rent going up by? Frank was on. His daughter's rent is to go up from 70 euro a week and it's to go up to 130 euro a week. That is, that's a 60 euro. Now I'm open to correction, Frank. I'll have to look back through all the other commentary. I think that's probably the highest rent increase an extra €60 a week, almost doubling in his daughter's case. Richard says we're paying €29 a week on uh, rent. There's only one income coming into the household and we're now told it is to go up to €49, so a €20 increase. I rang the council and asked about this and they explained there hasn't been a review for the last four years. Now, they explained the reason for the increase is because of two incomes coming in, even though Richard said there's only one working income coming into the house. The other income coming into the house is uh, a pension. Richard says, I suppose it's understandable if you are paying for a room in a house anywhere in the county or indeed in Cork City, you'll be paying a lot more. So we really have to be grateful. But we still feel our income is low and the rent going up to €49 Euro is going to put pressure on our household. And Noel says, what I can't understand is why the government are letting the councils increase the rents. They ultimately have control over the local authority, so surely they could stop them. Uh, stop all of this! The public are continuing to suffer. Nobody seems to be doing anything about it. Oh eight one eight one zero three one zero three. If you have an example or uh, to share with us of uh, your rent going up or coming down, I'll have to check with John Paul. But looking at the commentary coming into me here on the screens in front of me, I can't see anyone who got a rent review. And the rent actually came down in price. And I'm assuming that some of these circumstances would have changed and would has the rent gone down in any case? O eight one eight one oh three one oh three. C one oh three jobs. Cleaners are wanted in North and West Cork for evening work. You can email accounts at creativecleaningservices.ie. Two manufacturing engineering apprentices are wanted to work in County Limerick. Email CVs to careers at designproautomation.com. Yard operative required for Biogold Agri Limited. Now they're based in Kilavolum and there you can contact them by email info at biogoldagri.ie and food and beverage personnel required for the Fergrove Hotel and Clong Given House in Mitchellstown. Now, full and part-time positions are available. You email Hotel at gmail.com You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103.
0: Court today on C103 With Corrigan
4: Insurance's McCroom Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group Promoter Home, Business, Farm Life and Health Insurance
2: Now yesterday and I have to say again today we're having a number of calls, texts and emails in from listeners across the county who have received letters from Cork County Council to say that they are to receive a rent increase in the coming weeks. Many of our listeners are upset by the increases and have asked us to contact the council to outline why these rent increases are happening, especially now. For Boy Councillor Noel McCarthy uh, joins me. Good morning to you Noel. Good morning,
7: Patricia. Now, Thanks for having me on. Well,
2: I suppose, let's try and get a bit of background here to this. When was the decision taken to have a rent review of, I'm assuming, all of the tenants of Cork County Council?
7: Yes, um, rent uh, assessment forms were sent out. countywide. this is a countywide rent assessment, Patricia, and the forms started going out in February, um, and in North Cork in particular, they went out in April to be back in for May. So what they sent to all the tenants of, of uh, the house, Council Houses was to review their circumstances, send back the form with everything on it. So this, the last time there was a rent review, our, our assessment carried out was five years ago, Patricia. So,
2: okay, so on those yeah. forms, what information does the Council look for?
7: What they look for is all, your, all the people who live in the house. And um, the principal earner of the house has to get his inform- or their information, whether it be their working or social welfare or what payments they receive. And every member of the household has to do the same who's living in that house. So where the rent assessment before could have been done where you, you had children going to school or going to college, now they're adults five years later and they're earning. So their assessment then, their income is taken in. To the new assessment. So that's the information that's sent back to the
2: council. So, even though the house is, you know, very obviously probably in the parents' name, adult children and more and more adult children through no fault of their own are living at home. Some have been forced to return home who were once living out away from the home. Every single item of income coming into that house is taken into account.
7: Yes, Patricia, and that's the most important thing here. And I can understand why you're getting so many calls because over the last few days, both I and my colleagues are inundated with calls from people saying, why is this happening? Now, the first thing this say is the cost haven't raised the cost of the rent. It's still the same rate which it was five years ago. And then you'll ask me, how did it go up? Yeah. Well, how it went up was that there circumstances in the house over the five years, People working, their wages have, their income has increased. Um, uh, as I said, the adult children living in the house and are now working. And so, so their circumstances have improved. So when the assessment was carried out, they were obviously earning more money now than they were five years ago. Now the council haven't backdated either. So it's, it's going under new information that they receive. And how they calculate that then, Patricia, is it's the principal earner in the house. So in some circumstances, it might be the main tenant, whose name is on the house or joint tenant, be it husband and wife or partners. It could be an adult child that has a good job now, is earning good money and to be offered their income that the main um, assessment would be done. And how they what calculate that, Patricia? Again, I think I have my facts right, but I'm off to correction and they can be checked, is that the first hundred and forty euros of the main owner is not taken into account. It's the twenty-one percent on the remaining earnings of that person, and there's a seventeen forty standing charge. And then they charge, I uh, think, around ten euros for every other adult that's working or receiving the payment in some way added to that cost. So that's
2: okay, that's the the, 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 and I've loads of examples of uh, people contacting us uh, saying how much their rent has gone up by, you know, one person's gone from €96 Euro to 140 that's a €44 Euro, uh, increase, somebody else has gone thirty nine fifty, gone to €96, Euro, so that's a €56.50 increase a week. someone else has gone from €46 Euro to seventy-two fifty, so that's a €26.50 increase per week. But the one I have to say that broke my heart was a pensioner living alone, just living on the standard old age pension and the rent is going up by €11.50 per week. Do I take it that's because that pensioner over the last five years has received increases from the government?
7: Yes, I, 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 I nearly... I, I, as I say, every individual case is different, but the one with the pensioner, I think I'm correct in saying how I explained it to you that their pensions have up over the years, and unfortunately they're paying, now being asked to pay 11 euros more. And I can understand why people are upset because I think it's the timing of what happened now, Patricia, because the cost of living has risen so much, energy costs have gone out of control, and this is another now uh, worry and another additional cost to people um, that they didn't calculate for. And no, this is upsetting a lot of people. It and couldn't, l-
2: like, no, seriously, yeah. it could not have come at a worse time.
7: I couldn't agree more. And I think all my colleagues are saying the same thing. Like, well, I don't think any of the staff of the Cork County Council I want to compliment. They're only doing their job. They're, like, I, I, I know that they're in I an the calls as well. And trying to explain this this the timing of a procedure is it couldn't be worse. It could not when, be worse. when are the increases kicking in? The twelfth of November, I'm, ne- I'm nearly thinking about three weeks' time. And no, again, Patricia, I want to get this. So, as I said, I think I've explained that
2: as much as I could. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. You have, you have. You've you you very much explained because they don't. Because I, I was scratching my head as to how the pensioner uh, living on his own could go up by eleven euro fifty. But then, uh, when I was thinking about it, then over the last five years, there's been the you know the fivers, the teners, the bit of increases that the pensioners ha- have gotten, and that same pensioner. At the start of January, will get an extra twelve euro a week uh, in their pension, but that's he'll have that's he'll have fifty right cent, he'll have fifty yes, cent out, 50 out cent. of the increase, not.
7: And that's very hard to understand. And I and I accept that, what you're saying, and and for the listeners out there, while they are so concerned about it. No, there is other uh, 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 cases there. I would recommend to anyone that they think that their rent is assessed wrong that they should contact, it's chronically where the main assessment is where the cost is carried out, Patricia. They can, also can you don't... appeal? Can
2: you appeal? The you decision? can, yeah,
7: you okay. can. All the dogs, and they're very helpful in that. And there's also hardship uh, application forms there where look, they look at the stuff of their individual um, case, they'll see that there's a hardship there, and they're also sympathetic to that, and will work out something with them to say, listen, yes, we can see you have a hardship here, there, We'll we'll work with you till that that hardship is cleared and they'll reduce the weight somewhere. Now, I can't say that every case is, is different. But there is that process there. okay.
2: because Frank was on to us and I'd have to double check with John Paul because we've got a lot of commentary on this, but I think this is the highest increase. Uh, Frank's daughter's, and I don't know what the income situation in Frank's daughter's house is, but uh, she was or is paying €70 a week. She's just got the letter in and her rent is going up to 130 a week. That's a €60. That's almost double what she's paying at the moment. That seems rather high
7: it does and I have cases where it even went more than that oh have it. you heard of higher I have I have I I, 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 I as I say I've heard I won't go into want to yeah school, yeah, you know, yeah no don't please don't on, yeah, and, yeah but uh, while I see it I've heard a lot higher than that and I sympathise with all the people that have got extra but maybe Frank's daughter has got extra money she only she knows that herself or Frank and has bettered herself in, and uh, our circumstances have got a lot better over the last five years but unfortunately now our rent has been reassessed and now she's been asked to pay the 60 euros extra than she was paying. Also, Patricia, i can like to one other point across. When you filled out the forms back in April and May or county and in, in, in February or March, maybe there's been change of since been in your household. And again, if there is, go back to Connecticut and say, listen, there's been a change. I want to be reassessed again. That can be done. So there is, there, even though five months have passed, things might be different now. And like, they might be able to do it again. So that option is also their position. And so okay, like so many... Yeah, more go more on. There was other people that went, have decreased because their substance went worse than they were five years ago. So maybe someone was walking on was on a picture less and had a good job
2: so there is that but well. not so many but important. I take it that's a yes. very tiny few not a very yeah. tiny yeah. Job. Somebody, yeah, says, yeah, yeah. somebody says somebody says I just wants to correct you uh, somebody says my rent went up in January of this year and then I got another letter yesterday to say it's to go up again surely with everything that's going on with the cost of living there should be a cap on all rents my daughter who works full time she has two children at the end of the week she's left with €350 uh, Euro. her rent has gone up by 6 Euro and she has two children. It is disgraceful.
7: Yeah, and and that's the calls we're getting. And I must admit, that's what people are saying to me and to my colleagues that while we're the rent has gone up, we're no, we're left with less money every weekend. And and that's a concern. And that is a concern. Is there any chance that they
2: could hold off? I I mean, we're hearing about an evictions uh, moratorium that's going to hold off over the the winter months because it's these next few months are going to be the really tricky ones. We're trying to heat homes and electricity costs going up. Is there any way that the council could look at this and say, OK, these rent increases have to happen. We haven't done a rent review in five years. But could they at least hold off until the spring before introducing them?
7: Yes, it's a good, it's a good um, idea what you said. There. Yes, we will raise it at our, our, our first opportunity. It was raised yesterday at a northern meeting. I to we said at a housing meeting where the housing department was at an executive function, a function of the housing uh, authority in Cock County Council. Yes, I, I think we have been raised at our full meeting next week I, I, because every, every public representative is getting a lot of calls and
2: I tell you that. Okay, really and I, I was wondering, was it just the? county council but I'm now getting in texts from the city as well including one from Mark saying yes I am a city council tenant and they're doing the very same thing they've been doing rent uh, reviews uh, since early in the year we got a letter during the summer to ask us the various income coming into the house and all of the questions we sent back our rent went up just by a couple of euro By I know of others they got a much bigger increase but that was due to the fact there are, there are now more people living and working in the house exactly um, uh, as outlined by, by Noel um, thank you for that, uh, Mark. And somebody says, Elsass, could you ask, Noel, what is the council doing about collecting arrears? Do you have a problem with arrears?
7: No, not at the moment. Arrears seem to be well under control. Um, there is cases out there, but I think they're being uh, addressed by the council, uh, by the executive again, and there is options there that you can work with the council to get the arrears down And they're very, very good at that. It does complicate our own not profit how it's effective for what they do. They do put everything they can to help people to clear a rear without putting them into more hardship. They are very, very helpful that way. They really are
2: Okay. All right. Let's just uh, yeah, I just think it's the timing, the twelfth of, of uh, November. Yeah,
7: it's uh, the timing yeah, yeah. I yeah. sympathize with people. But your idea about the race just matter maybe putting it off to the spring, I think is something we must that
2: and think okay, I'll come look back to go. us. Come back to us if oh, we can bring us any good news, yes. Noel. In the meantime, we really appreciate you taking our call this morning. Good morning. Thank you very much. Thanks, Damien. Thanks, for and That is uh, from Oi-based uh, councillor Noel uh, McCarthy. Oh eight one eight one zero three one zero three. John Pauls taking your calls. You can text her WhatsApp 0862 103103.
0: Court today on C one oh three with Corrigan Insurances McCroom,
4: now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. C M I G dot
2: Wanna stay on the topic of housing, but a much more worrying issue, even though except for people who are getting rent increases, it's a big issue for them individually. But the Simon community has recorded the lowest number of rental properties available since it started collecting data. Seven years ago, it's part of their Locked Out of the Market report, which is an annual study... Of the market, they take it every quarter over three consecutive days to discuss the findings of the latest report. I'm joined by Paul Sheehan, who is campaigns and communications manager with Cork Simon. Good morning, to you, Paul. Hi, Patricia. How are I'm you? I'm very well. And I've got to say, this report really does make for shocking uh, reading. Is it showing a lack of rental homes? Is this right across the country? Now, this isn't just an issue that's affecting large urban areas.
6: No, it's right across the country, and it is shocking. But But it's not surprising we've seen this trend uh, over the last few reports. Um, You're right to say that it is the lowest amount of properties available to rent at any cost over three days in September at 392 properties across the state. And that's uh, almost, uh, well, over 60% decrease from 12 months ago. I mean, that's a significant fall.
2: And 12 months ago the figure was already low without it even falling further is this report telling you uh, Paul that the HAP isn't working It is, Um, it's not really fit for
6: purpose at the moment, I guess what this report demonstrates is the experience of anybody who is depending on the private rented market and the housing assistant payment uh, to find somewhere that they can afford to call home, Um, so if We've got somebody stuck in our emergency shelter. They're working hard to get out. They're trying to leave homelessness behind. They're looking at the private rented market. They're depending on a half payment per month to help them cover the cost of putting a roof over their head. And what we found in this latest report that there's nothing available for a single person, nothing available for a couple, nothing available for a single person or a couple with one child. I mean, um, there's nowhere to go, nowhere to even look at
2: How does it affect somebody when they have to turn to a homeless service, Paul?
6: It's soul-destroying. I mean... Uh, People come into our services, we start to work with them, we build up a trusting relationship. Um, Some people are reluctant to come in and that's absolutely understandable. It's not the most pleasant of environments. Um, So we we start building that trusting relationship and then it comes to a point where, you know, we come to housing and uh, how can we help somebody find housing and the options are limited and in this case none. Um, So we're building somebody up to try and support them out of homelessness, and with one hand, and on the other hand, we're saying, "Well, actually, there's there's nothing there to get you out of homelessness," um, and it it just destroys all hope. And all of the research uh, now is very strongly indicating that, you know, once somebody has that roof over their head and that it's secure, uh, and that's taken out of the equation, all of the person's efforts and energy can go into addressing all of the issues that push them into homelessness in the first place. Trying to do that while you're stuck in an emergency shelter, not quite sure if you'll have your bed in the morning uh, or the following day, uh, it's next to impossible really.
2: We know uh, it's expected that a winter eviction ban is going to be approved by the government uh, later today and it'll run uh, between November and the end of March of next year. Will that eviction moratorium help?
6: It most certainly will. We think there should be a rent moratorium, a rent increase moratorium as well. But we saw this uh, ban on evicting people into homelessness uh, being very effective during uh, the most severe lockdown when they were in place. We saw a substantial decrease in the number of new presentations to our service. And then when those moratoriums were lifted, um, the the ban on, on evicting people into homelessness and the moratorium on rent increases when they were lifted, Maybe two months later, we started to see the number of new presentations start to increase slowly but steadily, and have been doing so ever since.
2: I know, I, I, when we discuss reports like this, I think it's always good to try and you know, put a, a story in and to personalise it a, a little bit. As part of the Lockdown of the Market report, one of the stories you highlighted is, is a family of John, Mary and the three children.
6: That's right, and uh, the property came up for... Um, Uh, for sale, that the landlord wanted to sell the property. Uh, John, Mary and their three children were living in it. private rented property. They were issued with an eviction notice. Um, And, um, you know, they had been living there for three years. um, And, you know, they were, like anyone else, searching for somewhere new to rent. And uh, they could absolutely find nothing within their means, even though they were in receipt of uh, uh, housing assistance payment. Um, And, you know, those payments haven't increased in line with market rents at all, Patricia. Um, And even, you know, local authorities can top it up uh, on a case-by-case basis. It's a discretionary top-up. And even when they top it up, uh, it doesn't come anywhere near... Um, you know what what a, a monthly rent would be particularly for a family of this size but even for a, a single person and actually you know if you're a single man stuck in emergency accommodation kind you haven't hope. An, uh, not an absolute hope Yeah,
2: are, are you seeing more older people presenting as homeless Paul by the way?
6: Not especially Okay Um, I think our, our age group would still be somewhere between the 30 and 50 mark occasionally we do see somebody who's in their 60s, a case recently a man in his early 70s oh. um, but it's, it's, uh, it's not the norm, no it would generally be 30 to 50 year olds and you know, we would see a fair share of, of younger people as well and families, in their early
2: 20s and families now unfortunately more and more presenting uh, homeless, ok so solutions short term, what can the government do?
6: Well, the moratorium on evicting people into homelessness, that's a plus. The announcement recently in the budget that uh, vacant properties would be susceptible to a, a vacant property tax, that's a plus. Although we were advocating the government to go much further... We want them to make a a grant available to bring those properties online as quickly as possible. You know, if you think about it, Patricia, there's over 10,000 men, women and children stuck in emergency accommodation across the state. According to the census report from last April, there are 166,000 vacant properties across the state. Now, we're not saying all of those properties are suitable to rent or all of those properties are available to rent, but even if 10% of them were, it would make a huge difference to the housing supply. That's the second thing that that needs to be addressed. And we're not sure yet if that budget measure will work. It's probably not going to come into play till January or February next year. And uh, how many properties it will make available, it's impossible to say. But it certainly is a move in there, Right direction, and we think it represents a fundamental shift in government thinking on vacant property. But we really need to ramp up social housing supply.
2: Build, build, build.
6: And that's that's the solution,
2: you know? Yeah, yeah. I and bet. we have
6: to fix our private rented market. I mean, it's, it's in a mess. Yeah.
2: Okay, listen, Paul, uh, thank you for that, and uh, thanks for joining us on the programme this morning. Thank you, Patricia. Good morning to you. That is uh, Paul Sheehan, Campaigns and Communications Manager with the Cork Simon.
4: You're listening to Cork Today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed.
2: Met Aaron have just updated their uh, what was a status yellow rain warning for seven counties including us here in Cork and they have now issued a level orange severe weather alert for rain. Um, it kicks in from 10pm tonight so that's earlier than was expected. It wasn't to kick in until the middle of the night and it remains in place until midnight tomorrow night so that's a, a level orange severe weather alert for rain so please do do be careful from 10 o'clock tonight for all day uh, tomorrow now before we get to giving lots of advice that's come in for wasn't it Margaret and Douglas who has the problem with her Venetian blinds She's three Venetian blinds and one of them the cord has broken and she said she's tried a number of places and she can't get it uh, fixed I've had a number of people with suggestions of where Margaret can go but before that let me go to Margaret and Tallow who's contacted us to say she said I'm wondering did any of you? listeners have the same problem that i had yesterday i had an infestation of big flies they simply came out of nowhere i killed 37 in my living room alone yesterday says uh, margaret anybody else having a problem with large black flies at the moment i do know uh, someone i know that works in the city where they work in the city but they were having they were doing work on the roof in the premises and they think that that disturbs something and that's where the flies came from and I know they sorted it out by getting fly spray and, and, and killed them off that way. I don't know if that's, that's how they sorted it yesterday. I don't know if it's still ongoing today or not. don't know if it's the time of the year. Have you done any work in the house? Did you disturb anything Margaret that could have caused flies to suddenly appear? But has anybody else had a problem with infestation of large flies and more importantly if you have in the past? Advice please for Margaret thanks for that Margaret now on the listeners who contacted us for the other Margaret in Douglas with her problem with her Venetian blinds let me give you some of the response uh, that came in Coleman's in Rochestown should be able to help that uh, lady they deal with Venetian blinds Acme blinds in Formoy a number of people are calling them out as a place for our listener to go the best ever to fix Venetian blinds Blackwater blinds in Yale. my advice to Margaret is give them a go the lady with the blind issue, Irish window blinds in Macroom. Uh, Trish, tell Margaret to go to Acme blinds in Formoy. That's from Carmel in town. And Avril in Douglas on the Venetian blinds. Here's make and do. I had the very same issue last year. I bought cord online and I was strung at myself. You need patience. But it's quite simple to do. Give it a try, Margaret. And that's from Avril in Douglas. OK, thank you for that. And thank you to all the other people uh, giving the similar uh, places. There are other places, certainly obviously outside of Douglas, where Margaret has been looking but if she's willing to travel across the certainly around the county there are places that she'll be able to sort out her Venetian blinds and Stephen was on just kind of by a word of warning there's a stop and go system in place on the Inner Shannon Road out of Bandon just would you let people know please that Stephen that they can expect delays so stop and go in a Shannon Road, out of uh, Bandon. Now, we've been talking this morning about rent increases, and in particular rent increases by Cork County Council and the City Council, even though predominantly we seem to be getting complaints from the county uh, with people seeing their rents go up. Haven't had a review in five years, and it's to do with people's circumstances circumstances changing. I mean, I think Councillor McCarthy was very good to outline the method that's in place. It's a kind of a, a mathematical method for actually calculating how much your rent will be and it's based on the amount of income coming into the house and of course over the last five years people's incomes have increased, even people on social welfare, like the, I'm still thinking of the poor old pensioner whose rent has gone up by €11.50 a week but the pensions, when you look at how much a pensioner was getting five years ago to what a pensioner is getting today, there's an increase there and so pro rata the rent has gone up but that's, it's, just, it's just not sitting well with a lot of people And it's not sitting well with me, I just think, the timing of this. Now, in the defence of Cork County Council, they started this rent review and sending out these assessment letters back in March. They couldn't have predicted what was going to happen across this year. But now that the letters are starting to go out they know the cost of living has gone up they know the energy crisis has uh, gone up and people just really are struggling. I, I really do hope that a little bit of sense will prevail and like the eviction moratorium that's going to be put in place today they maybe put a moratorium on the rent increases at least until the spring. Get us over this winter. This winter is going to be difficult for so many people so if they could just maybe stand back and say can we push it out rather than coming in in the middle of November But Margaret was on and she was listening to us talking about the rent increases and in particular talking, me talking about the pensioner living on his own and the €11.50 he's worried about how he's going to pay his electricity bill and how he's going to heat his home. Uh, Margaret says... Not having a lot of sympathy for a pensioner living on their own. A pensioner living on their own has a lot of money coming into that one household. Well, you take into example all of the other allowances. They get the state pension and then there's things like living alone allowance, maybe entitled to fuel allowance and I don't know know if he is. They also have the free travel and we know that they're getting a number of lump sum payments from the government to help with the cost of uh, living. But Margaret says, what about young people? Young people who have bought their own home, they're all seeing their interest rates going up. If you've got a young couple who are out working as well, they could have a child in the creche. If anything happens to them, they have to pay for everything themselves. The young people of today are trying to juggle everything with mortgages and childcare on top of the rising cost of uh, living. Uh, uh, The very same as pensioners do. And I know, I know, says Margaret, I'll be old one day myself, but at the moment she's not having a lot of sympathy for pensioners her sympathy is lying more with young families coming up who are really, really struggling. And then Michael in Castletown Bear was on to say, Patricia, across the Irish water in the great UK, they appear to be in all sorts of financial difficulties at the moment. Yet, says Michael, I am reliably told this morning that they are queuing heavily... For tickets for the Glastonbury Music Festival which will be held next summer. The cost to go to Glastonbury, £340 sterling and there's a queue to get the tickets. Some Something very wrong there. There are ones who are searching and constantly calling on the government looking for more money. They want um, more free rent, they want more housing, they want more money for food and yet you'll have another cohort of people who are, uh, who are free and ready and able to spend huge sums of money on a festival ticket. Believe me, says Michael, they're no different in this country and you can chalk it down. But I'm wondering, Michael, is that the example of the haves and the have-nots? There are people that do have a lot And then there are people that don't have a lot. And are we getting to be a very divided society between the haves and the have-nots? I mean, I'm assuming that people who are struggling for food and struggling for housing are not the people that are in the queue. I could be wrong. Maybe some of them are in the queue for the Glastonbury Festival. Because somebody else then kind of backing up what Michael is saying, sent in a text saying, I work as a delivery driver. I'm delivering parcels. We are crazy busy at the moment and I thought people's pockets were getting hit. Mm says this delivery driver who has never been never been working so hard 0818 103 103 okay uh, other commentary coming in to us what else is coming in somebody uh, Mike in Bantry saying love listening to Deputy Holly Kearns who joined you earlier on the programme she is such a good uh, person on rent increases I'm only able to afford to give them €2 a week extra by way of a Rent increase, that's all they will be getting out of me but you know what that means, then you'll end up going into rent arrears so you do have to be careful with that Mike in Bantry says, morning Patricia, when the war in Ukraine uh, is over please God, that'll be sooner rather than later and the price of fuel on the world market settles down, will go go will coal, gas, rent, food, will it all come back to the price they were before the situation and before the war in Ukraine? you would like to think that that's what will happen Mike but if it does it certainly is going to take quite quite some time and then on the the person who reckoned we need a general election wasn't it Noel Noel contacted us this morning and uh, said please please call out my my text he reckons we the country needs to go for a general election he feels the government at the moment are all talk and no action that's his view and he's wondering did others agree well no not everybody agrees Hi, so I Patricia hope you keep. Well, I am. Am I missing something here? I heard that person, Noel, saying we need to have an election. I think we've got a great government at the moment. Look at the amount of people that are in employment. We are very nearly at full employment. We're at a situation where there's actually more jobs than workers. The government are supporting people like they've never supported them before, particularly during this present crisis. How many government in other countries are doing the same. I think we need to change our attitude. We were all homeless when we left home. What did we do? We got married. And would you believe we worked hard. We saved like mad until we could afford our own homes. And then once we got into that home, we did it up one room at a time. There was no sense of entitlement in those days. Maybe our attitude needs changing. Uh, yeah, well, I, you make a lot of sense in in your text. The only one thing that I would disagree with um for young couples coming up today who are working really hard and who are trying to save and who are trying to get the money for the deposit uh, together. That's very different to, say, a couple of generations ago when you did save hard and you got your deposit and you bought your little house and you did it up room by room. You didn't expect the whole house to be like a palace the day uh, you moved in. Now, maybe some people, there is a bit of an entitlement around that maybe uh, today that wasn't there previous generations. But I do think it is very hard For young couples today and if they are renting at the same time, the amount of money that they're paying out on rent is absolutely astronomical and how anyone is managing to rent and at the same time trying to get the money together for, for a deposit it's, it's nearly impossible I and mean, we're, we're coming to this, I, I think it's accepted now, there will be a generation of people who will never own their own home in this country through no fault of their own it's it's not that they wanted everything for free, it just will be impossible for them to be able to rent a property and at the same, ta- same time save to get a deposit together in order to go and get a mortgage in order to buy a property unless we see a big shift, um, afford- more affordable houses uh, being built and the cost of houses uh, coming down. Ian says, Patricia, the guy, Noel, who says we need a general election, he is, a, and I'm not going to say that, anyway, you don't, you don't agree with him. It won't make a difference. We've all had a chance in the past to get rid of the people we put into government, but guess what, we vote in the same Every single time, nothing at all will change, so says Ian. Hi, Patricia. Morning. We're all hearing about ESB bills and how higher electricity bills are going, and we're all told to conserve energy. Why, or oh why, are the lights on in the library in Bandon? They're on 24-7. It is making no sense to me. I'm, and I'm, I'm thinking as we head into this winter, I think we're going to see a lot more of buildings like that and public buildings. We're going to start seeing the lights go out, I think, sort of as soon as w- the workers are gone. We're going to see, because we're all being told we need to conserve energy, particularly during that peak time of between five and seven. I think we'll see a lot more buildings before. They were always able to leave the lights on 24-7. I think then we're going to start, we'll certainly start to see uh, the start of that. And then thank you for your text. And then Heidi is on about... This is to do with the eviction ban that we're expecting is going to go before uh, government uh, later on to uh, day. Now, Heidi says, uh, Patricia, again, I look at what a lot of landlords have to put up with by some tenants. Rents, for example, are not being paid. We have some tenants who are just sitting in the houses and think they have a divine right to be there and won't pay their rent. It's like going into a restaurant, eating a meal, and then at the end of the meal, refusing to uh, pay pay for it. As Judge Judy would say, you ate it, so you gotta pay for it. Why what should be looked what should be looked at here? Who's looking out for the landlord? Well what I'm talking about are the fair landlords. They are the ones that really need to be looked at, looked out for. Unfortunately, we've got ba- bad landlords in this country and it seems like all landlords have been tired with the same brush and it's unfair that bad landlords should pay for the few. Now, this eviction moratorium, this due to be brought in will affect people that have bought a property to be safe for their future pension. It is their property at the end of the day and now being told what they can and can't do to it, whatever happened to a People's uh, rights. The only thing, thank you for that, Heidi. The only thing I will say to you is this eviction moratorium that's going to kick in, and we're expecting it later on this evening. It's this evening uh, to hear that it'll be passed by the by the cabinet, um, and it will be from between November and the end of March next year. And it's just to tide to people over the winter months. And we don't listen. We just spoke with Simon, the Simon community. There's no houses for rent. We don't want to push more and more people into homelessness. But what's going to be included in that? Eviction uh, moratorium will be there will be exceptions for those who refuse to pay their rent or people who damage their property so genuine landlords who end up having issues with problem tenants those problem tenants will not fall in under the remit of the winter eviction ban their evictions will still be allowed to go ahead the Taoiseach is also at pains to point out that the eviction ban will be time bound and that's because of the legal context uh, of it so it will only run from November through to the end of uh, March and it is as I say it's just to do with we have a housing crisis at the moment but they are very aware Heidi of the bad landlords the, the bad tenants that are out there that you've got some very good landlords as well. 0818 103, 103 and just one final one. So many texts coming in. Just one final one on this one. Um, somebody says, Hi Patricia, is there any update on the, the voluntary contributions? You know the voluntary contributions that parents must pay to primary and secondary schools, especially after Minister Norma Foley came out and said that with all the money that they were giving to primary and secondary schools, additional money that they were giving this year, there was no need for any school in the country to ask for a voluntary contribution. Uh, The reason I ask is we've had no contact from our schools and as it stands, they're still looking for same uh, I, ha- I haven't heard anything since. I'll see if I can do some research on it uh, this afternoon. I know when Norma Foley came out at it. I mean, it was it was you know she made the statement saying I think it was ninety million extra she gave to schools to tide them over the winter. The winter months for primary and a secondary school news to be divided up between the primary and the secondary schools. And it was at that time, at that announcement after the budget, that she said there would be no need for voluntary contributions. But what you have to remember is voluntary contributions. There's nothing in law governing voluntary contributions. Like there's nothing in the, the like the Department of Education, for example, have nothing to do with voluntary contributions. By their very name, they are voluntary. So it's up to individual schools. Whether they decide to go back to the parents and say, no, we don't need the voluntary contribution this year. Uh, We can give back contributions that have already been paid, but that's going to be an individual school's choice. What we have heard from principals locally, certainly any of the ones we've spoken with on this programme, they would always say that they don't put pressure on families. If a family could pay the contribution and are financially able to do it, then great let them pay. But the families that are not financially in a position to pay the voluntary contribution then they never go after and they never chase down those families. Now, I know when... when fa- other families hear principals saying that they'll come back and say well a principal was the principal of my school because we've been hounded for the voluntary contribution but it is an individual it's up to individual schools and the department of because it's voluntary the department of education I'm assuming will say they can't force the school to not look for voluntary contribution as they can't force the school to hand back the money. So what I would suggest, and I will in the meantime see, did the Minister come out with anything or did any schools move on it? So we'll put it out there to see if your child going to a primary or a secondary school, did any school in our area Return the voluntary contribution after that statement was made by the minister? Or did any school in our area write to their parents and say, because of what the minister has announced, and because we're getting extra funding from the department? We don't need the voluntary contribution this year. Thanks, but no thanks. We might be back to you next year, but we don't need it uh, this year. If anybody can let us know, I would be interested to hear, has any school either returned it or told parents they don't need to pay it? But if I go back again, it is voluntary. You shouldn't, and I know parents will say that they do feel pressurised and they don't want their child to stand out as any different in the classroom and it shouldn't. they shouldn't in any way. But, you know, we, we know how, uh, we know how life works and so, and we will do everything to make sure that our child is the same as every other child in the classroom. And if that means some parents going hungry in order to pay in a voluntary contribution, we know and we've heard from parents who have done it Uh, Anyway, if anybody has any update on that, please let us know 0818 103 103 You can text, you can WhatsApp to 0862 103
0: 103 The C103 Cork Diary With Cork
4: County Council where communities and businesses all across the county can get the support they need at corkcoco.ie.
2: Registration is open until the 28th of this month to enter your scarecrow in the annual Lep Scarecrow Festival. The registration is free and the first prize is €200. Euro. For more details, you can check out their Facebook page, Lep Scarecrow Festival. One Act Drama Festival opens tonight and runs through until Friday the 21st at the Glen Theatre in Bantir. Groups from Ballincollig, Harbolin, Carid Navarre, the Palace Players are taking part, uh, Gunpowder, Blue Hat Drama Groups Group and the Glen Theatre Drama Group all taking part and the adjudicator is Helen Hallisey good luck to everybody involved Shambali Moore bingo cancelled for tonight that's due to a local bereavement and the golden hour social morning for tomorrow morning due to that bereavement is also being cancelled Flarnian District Historical Society they're presenting an illustrated lecture it's titled The Mystery of Dr James Barry The Woman Who Fooled the British Empire it's on Thursday night of this week 8 o'clock in Skulmurrog on Small as Blarney Secondary School. Speakers and to me, all are welcome. And you can find out more by going online to theblarneyhistory.ie. And Ballydehob Community Hall are presenting the one-act play by John Dowie. It's entitled Jesus, My Boy. It's on next Friday night, nine o'clock. Now, it's suitable for children aged 12 plus. Admission is €10 Euro, and all proceeds are going to the Bally de Hobb Union of Parishes.
0: Court today on C103
4: with Corrigan Insurance Room, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group, promoter, home, business, farm, life, and health insurance. CMIG.ie. Okay,
2: and just a quick look at some of your final uh, texts uh, coming in. Oh, somebody in Mid Cork wants to know is anybody collecting used stamps in Mid Cork? Obviously, is a collection of used stamps willing to pass them on. Mid Cork uh, area, if anyone knows of somebody collecting stamps we can pass on the details uh, for you somebody says Michael in is wrong about people queuing for Glastonbury tickets all those tickets are sold online yeah but I think there was an on a queue online to buy the tickets at uh, £350 sterling and it's just showing the difference between the haves and the have nots Hi Patricia, is the listener for real regarding the government being good? Sure are some restaurants are closing by the new time. Have you seen their ESP bills? We have and we've discussed it on the programme. Some people aren't lucky enough to get married or to have children so they got absolutely nothing in the last budget. Adult children are being forced to live at home. Why? Because they can't afford to move out and buy a house. The average house price is about €400,000 yet the average industrial wage is some were around forty thousand euro. The majority of these people are totally caught. And they are simply trying to survive. And someone else says, Hi, Patricia, the government can't cover everything. You can only borrow so much. Uh, Look at the government in the UK. I think ours are doing a pretty good job when you look at it. By the way, I'm not a member of any political party, and I'm happy with the government that we have at the moment. And someone else then, when we were discussing flooding earlier on, was saying, particularly flooding around Cork City. If you look at old photographs of Cork, Uh, The system is saying there was marshes and there was uh, rivers and there was floodplains. And what happened since we built everywhere on it. Water will find its own way. Uh, We need to look at how the building work that went on. I think everybody accepts that was one of the huge problems we have was that we built on areas that we really should not have been building on. Eileen out on Bear Island says I'm a pensioner and I can see where people are coming from. Now this is reacting to the listener who was saying it doesn't have a lot of sympathy for pensioners because it's making the point that a pensioner gets the state pension if they're living alone that it'll be a little bit extra they might also be entitled to a fuel allowance they'll have free travel they might be entitled to a medical card so there's a lot of money coming into the house for one person and someone was making the point you got to look at families if you've got you know couple, maybe both working, if they've got children, they've got creche prices, if they don't own their own house, they're paying high rents, if they're, they have a mortgage, their mortgages, are, mortgage repayments are going up. And this listener just said, look, we seem to focus too much on older people. What about younger people? So Eileen is in the category of being a pensioner. And she said, I can see where people are coming from. I actually have no complaints. And I do feel for young people uh, complaining about pensioners. We've contributed Uh, all of our lives to the country's coffers so I think if you do this you're entitled to what the state is giving you these same young people they will be old one day too and guess what will happen then they'll get the benefits the old age pensioners do well in this country so Margaret is feeling comfortable enough but don't be picking on the old people they worked hard all of their lives and you're right that is the thing about those people who are complaining saying that the older people uh, seem to get everything you, you, will, you will have to get old one day Declan says saying that past uh, returning from work the library was in darkness but it's lit up in the, oh this is to do abandoned uh, library uh, being lit up at night Bandon library is set to become the first my open library in West Cork where the library will open on a self-service ba- basis from 8am to 10pm 365 days a year ok that's something new ok but it's to do with the lights being on saying that they passed at 1am returning from work in the city to Clan, and the library was in darkness but it was lit up in the evening times so. ok alright all so Declan is pointing out that he, from what he can gather because he passes it late at night that the, it isn't the lights are not on 24-7 he said certainly at 1am in the morning that the uh, library was in darkness so they are sh- they are uh, shutting it off but that there will have to be lights on uh, well certainly into, into the evening time it's to become the first self-service based library open 365 days a year from 8am to 10pm we might look into that I haven't I haven't heard of my open library and it's the the first for uh, West Cork. Do I take it that we have these My Open libraries in other parts of the country? I haven't heard of that uh, before on a uh, self-service basis. Is that doing away with the wonderful staff? Anyone that goes into libraries will always talk about the amazing librarians that work in libraries. They are just a fountain of knowledge. If you want to go in, if you're looking for a particular book, or if you're looking for suggestions for a particular book, librarians are just amazing. So I don't know if it's becoming a self-service library, are they doing away with staff completely? I'd have to, I'd definitely have to look into that. 0818 103 103 John Paul, taking uh, your uh, calls, you can text or WhatsApp to 0862 103 103.
0: Cork Today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom,
4: now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. C-M-I-G dot I-E
2: This is the court Today Replay on C103. The cost of living crisis is driving everyone's electricity bills up. So we're all looking for different ways to help us cut down on what are massive costs at the moment. But one local electrician is warning about one popular trick that's doing the rounds to help us all reduce our bills. Ken O'Connell is from Ballancolic, and Ken joins me this afternoon. Good afternoon to you, Ken. Hi Patricia, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. Now this suggestion that we run our appliances late at night or to run them overnight when we're in bed, you say that people, we simply should not be doing that. Can you explain why?
8: Yeah. I do say it, Patricia, I think it's very bad advice and the advice for years has been not to run heavy appliances by night or when you're not in the home. And Patricia, it's not just me saying it, the fire brigade are constantly saying it as well. The main the main problem machines, I suppose, it would be your dishwasher, your tumble dryer and your washing machine. Those are the machines that are susceptible to going on fire. And it is really bad advice to have those machines running while you're in bed or while you're out of the home. And it's, it, Patricia, as I said, it's not just me saying it. It's the advice of the fire brigade as well, you know. And just lately with the cost of living crisis, I've heard the reason I made the video, Patricia, that that got me onto your radio show, I suppose, is because I've heard so many experts, money-saving experts, giving this advice to people to run these machines by night when it's off-peak electricity, so it's slightly cheaper, and it's, it's just really bad advice, Patricia, you know?
2: Yeah, and then the, the other point, I think that a lot of people don't realise, everybody thinks, oh, I have cheap electricity at night. You don't, unless you've signed up for that tariff. The majority of people haven't even signed up for those tariffs.
8: No, I think there's... You absolutely don't have it automatically, Patricia. You know, there's over a million of these smart meters have been installed, and I think it's less than 10%, maybe even only as low as 4% it's of four. people have actually... Four, is it 4%? Yeah. 4% of people have signed up to the smart tariffs. Um, so you don't automatically have cheap electricity by night unless you sign up for it. If you sign up for it, then there's kind of time of day tariffs where between 11pm at night and 8am in the morning, it's the cheaper rate of electricity, you know? Um... And then you've two other time periods, then there's eight, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. And there's 7 p.m. to 11 p.m., um, those are the different time of day tariffs, you know, the cheapest being the 11pm till 8am the following morning at night. And that's when people are being recommended to run these machines. And all I'm saying, Patricia, is Don't. these machines, these big machines are susceptible to fire. They're dangerous, you know.
2: OK, so, but, you know, by all means, run those, you know, heavy electric use appliances, run them outside of the peak time of between five and seven. But from what I'm picking up from you, Ken, you're saying we should always be in the house and certainly we should always be awake when they're running.
8: Definitely, definitely. And even, Trish, over the years I've fitted enough of these machines, you know, when you, obviously when I'm wearing hoses. And if you actually read the small print in some of the instruction manuals in these appliances, it will actually say that they're to be run under supervision, which basically means that there's there's to be somebody there and someone awake while this machine is running, you know. So and I would advise absolutely not to run the machines while you're out of the house or not to run those, those um, three appliances while you're in bed.
2: When I, men- when I mentioned you were coming on earlier, a couple of listeners were saying, would, would, you, would you ask your expert, and our expert is Ken O'Connell, electrician and Balancolic, what causes yes. these appliances to go on fire?
8: I suppose there's different reasons for each appliance. Everything is, everyone is different. But like, say, let's say, take tumble jars. A big one with tumble jars would be people not cleaning out the lint filter, you know, where the fluff builds up the drying process. Not cleaning out those. Um, With dishwashers, what often happens is where the the panel, where you press your buttons, turn your dishwasher, moisture can get in in there and it can cause a thing called arcing, which starts fires. Um, Anything, anything, Patricia, with uh, a heating element, you know, generates a, big load takes a lot of electricity generates a lot of heat and that's where you get the risk also people just not maintaining m- m- machines properly you know you might get a funny smell from your machine you might get a funny noise from it and just ignoring it you know people would often say that you'd, they'd say "And there was a funny smell coming for that now for the last couple of weeks and sure they do nothing about it and the next thing bang you know
2: The other one then is the phone chargers you, you, you have an issue with particularly some of these cheaper phone chargers that you can buy
8: yeah, yeah. No, the fire brigade again are constantly warning against these, and I've seen these as well. Um, you can buy these cheap, non-branded phone chargers, and some of them have really long leads. Yeah, they're they're just so dangerous. They can get so so hot. You can even feel them yourself if you leave the phone plugged in. You'll feel the heat that that gen- is generated in these plug tops. And you have to remember these these um these are being made in factories out in the middle of God knows where. A lot of them. I reckon aren't even up to the standards that they should be up to, and they're being sold very cheaply, I just wouldn't trust them if you're not using them, plug them out it's, that's the simple advice, plug yeah. in the phone charge it up and plug it back out Yeah but I'm,
2: I'm thinking of families with young people and the young people go to bed with the phone and God forbid sure. that the phone might might not be stay charged and leaving them charged over I, mean, I, I I saw online somebody had a, a phone on the bed it had burnt through the mattress
8: Yeah yeah, yeah, that happens. They get they get. I the same. I have teenagers at home, Patricia, in my own house and I know exactly what you're talking about. Those phones and the iPads, they're constantly plugged into something. But you, you can just, you feel the heat yourself. You can feel the back of the phones. You can feel the back of the iPads. um, Any any device, you can feel the heat that they build up. So just please be careful with them Plug them out when you're not using them. You know, just try to educate the kids. Just please plug them out. Switch off the switch at the socket. Don't leave them plugged in for long periods of time. These can all, and, these can all build up heat and, and and cause fires. And look, I'm not trying to frighten anybody, Patricia. But like, we just we just need to be very careful of who we're taking our advice from, and I prefer to take my advice from the likes of the fire brigade and these people who actually go out and deal with the aftermath of these things. You know, uh,
2: and and your good self, when you uh, you absolutely know what you're talking about. Somebody said, could you ask your expert yeah. electrician, please? Is it worth fitting something <laughs> called an AFDD to prevent fire? Yeah. What's
8: yeah, an it's a thing that they're they go into your distribution board your fuse board and they can monitor it's called arcing um it's basically when it, it would monitor if there's a short circuit in a cable or anything like that they can be fitted in they're recommended in the latest regulations that they be fitted um I haven't fitted a whole pile of them um but yeah they're, they're an extra safety device that you can have in a house but are, are, but, they they, but the, the
2: texture says are they still very expensive are they are they expensive yeah they
8: they're off the top of my head, no, I couldn't tell you how much, but you'd be talking maybe 30, 40 euro for one of these. It's, you know, the, the little MCBs that you'd see in your fuse board. Yeah, like, yeah. You know, it's like, it's a, um, just a more modern version of those and it picks up little, any arcs or anything like that in a cable and it, it will just kind of stop fires before they start. You know, it'll okay. trip the circuit before it
2: starts. Okay, listen, you've given us great yeah, words of, of, of advice. And, and well done on, on the TikTok you've taken to. Are you getting good reaction? To, to the pieces you're putting oh, yeah. on TikTok.
8: take oh, yeah, I am Patricia you know it's just the last few weeks there I've heard a good few people on radio and on TV we even had government ministers advising this and I've been involved in so many rewares of hoses Patricia over the years from dishwashers tumble jars washing machines going on fire I had one there recently where a customer she went up to bed she turned on her dishwasher she went up to bed she got a strange smell she thought it was her daughter burning toast downstairs Realised, no, that's not toast. Ran back down the stairs and the dishwasher was in flames. Now, this was in Ballancolide, the fire brigade got down to her quite quickly. But she was still there, that family rode her house for months just from the smoke damage caused from that dishwasher. Yeah. Do you know? So when I hear yeah. these, this advice of running these appliances by night, and another thing, Patricia, just if you wouldn't mind, just before I go, is you're not automatically signed up to these tariffs. So make sure, if you are going for your off peak, that you actually get onto your supplier and you're that you actually sign up for these tariffs, you know, which are. um, Yeah, yeah, even though
2: we've looked at that before. You have to be careful, though. You can end up paying a huge amount of money then on the rest of the week. You know, particularly the people who are opting for the free electricity on a Saturday.
8: I was looking at that myself at the weekend for my own house, and it's not. It actually, when I worked it out, it wasn't worth my while yeah, changing for yeah. free electricity on Saturday because my 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 rate went up during the week, so it was six and one and and a half dozen the other. To be honest, with you, you know, yeah, you need to be careful. You need off. To be careful. Okay, lots yeah. of people
2: saying well done sure. to Ken talking so much sense. Somebody says that guy is correct. My house would have burnt to the ground if we had been out. My dryer went on fire. So lucky to be there. Somebody has similar uh, situation. My dishwasher dishwasher went on fire. We were about to leave the house when I got the smell of smoke we had have come back yeah. and it could all have been gone so good advice well done Ken uh, are you busy at the moment
8: ah sure crazy flat just, out yeah, absolutely crazy yeah tell um, any young boys or girls out there who want to get into apprenticeships get into them there's so much work there we don't have enough boys and girls doing it so get into the trades, job for life and plenty of money. Actually, other I, thing, I
2: saw you do that on, you did a really good piece on, on TikTok about that, particularly about the parents yeah. who are trying to push yeah. the sons and daughters that it's, it's all about a college degree. You say it's not. Yeah.
8: No, it's not. It's The college isn't for everybody, is my point, Patricia. And there's a real snobbery towards the trades in our country. And all I'm saying is that if your son or daughter wants to go down the route of the trade, encourage them, let them at it, don't hold them back, you know.
2: It's a job for life as well
8: job for life yeah and plenty of money that's my that's what I always say can I just
2: yeah one one, one last
8: thing Patricia just on the appliances one little tip for people as well Patricia is if when you buy an appliance register it and what will happen is when you register let's say you buy a new washing machine you register that washing machine if there's ever a fault or a recall or anything on that washing machine you will be notified by email you know or by phone call whichever and there's plenty there's often recalls on on appliances so it's just a little tip for people if they, if they buy a new machine, register it with the manufacturer. Anything goes wrong with that machine, they'll, they'll be told about it, you know.
2: And, of course, if you don't register it, you won't get the automatic recall.
8: Exactly, exactly, yeah, exactly.
2: OK, yeah. all right, listen, pleasure talking to yeah. you, Ken. We'll speak again, no doubt. YouTube Thank you, you for that. I Thank really me. enjoyed our chat. Thanks, Thanks a Bye million. Bless. Bye-bye. That is a uh, lovely guy. That is Ken O'Connell from uh, Ballancodig and lots of people saying, how much sense is that electrician uh, speaking? And somebody said, I'm, I'm assuming this is somebody in an apartment block where I'm living, dishwashers, washing machines are going all in all in late in the evening and into the middle of the night that I have the tank in the attic and the hoppers and the noise. of them, it's running all night uh, long, Uh, so I'm assuming it's in an apartment uh, block. People need to be really, really uh, careful. Okay, that's where I leave you for today. By the way, just quickly for, just a heads up for tomorrow, uh, Dermot Good uh, will be joining, Dermot Good will be joining us tomorrow with advice on health insurance. Lots of people's health insurance will be up for renewal Uh, it's usually the start of January, so now is the time to start thinking about your renewal. So if you've got a question with regard to renewing your health insurance Insurance. You can get it in. You can email Patricia at c103.ie. That's where I leave you for today. Thanks to John Paul, Nick Richards is where next, and we'll talk to you tomorrow and
0: today on C103 with Corrigan Insurance's
4: McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. Cmig.ie.
1: Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget?